0: Anime is a vast and varied medium, and if you're not already familiar, it can be daunting to find something you might be interested in watching. This is a podcast where three average anime enjoyers introduce their uninitiated co-host to their favorite anime touchstones, so he can join them deep in the weeds. Mobile Suit Gundam, the 08th MS Team, is a 12-episode OVA series in the Gundam franchise. Released from January 25th, 1996 to July 25th, 1999, the series details the exploits of an Earth Federation ground unit during the One Year War, specifically a month after the beginning of the original 1979 Gundam series and into the final weeks of the war. The Earth Federation and the Principality of Zeon are fighting a brutal guerrilla war for control of the area and its resources. Zeon's best hope for victory in the region rests with an experimental mobile armor and its pilot, Aina Sahalin. Meanwhile, the Earth Federation Army receive reinforcements in the form of Ensign Shiro Amada, newly named commander of the 08th MS team. Young Shiro is en route to Earth to take command of the ground unit fighting in the jungles of Southeast Asia. After being stranded in space with one of the enemy, Shiro is rescued and claims his command, but no sooner does he arrive than his team is given their marching orders. With barely time for introductions, the OAuth MS teams head into battle. When Shiro discovers that Aina is in fact the pilot of the Zeon mobile armor, he is arrested for treason. The Federation offers Shiro one more chance at redemption. He must take the OAuth MS team deep into Zeon-held territory and find Zeon's hidden base with Zion backed into a corner and the federation dependent on Shiro and his team for victory the starcross lovers must decide where their true allegiances lie with each other or with their respective sides truly answering the question can love bloom on the battlefield before yes. we get <laughs> before we get into the episodes we watched 3 this week um, i just wanted to point out some new anime vocabulary for bob thank you <laughs> an ova
1: uh, <laughs> a shortened oven.
0: Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, uh, it stands for Original Video Animation. Um, and sometimes it's OVA, sometimes it's OAV. Um, but they're uh, films and series made speci- specifically for release in home video formats without being shown on TV or in theaters. Like, Although sometimes they broadcast the first part to, like, promote it.
2: Like all those Disney sequels we got back in the 90s. <laughs> oh my there. God!
3: I was thinking. I was that, thinking right. say <laughs> it. Well, there goes any hope for sponsorship now that we've ticked off the mouse. Well, I, I mean, uh, I let's guess, just lean into it. I guess technically those they are uh, was it original video animations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, straight to yeah. video. Yes.
0: <laughs> I feel like there's just a slight different connotation between straight to video and OVA, though.
2: Yeah, like a lot I of mean... OV- a lot of OVAs, like were made for production uh, uh promotional purposes and so got pushed really hard and like some of them were mini series, a lot of them were like one-off or it's like hey we made this OVA three
4: to... episodes.
2: yeah like hey we made this to promote this other thing so like um Chrono Trigger the very popular JRPG for this NES that had an OVA that was like a single 20-minute episode of some hijinks and not just for money
3: I'm, I'm gonna one up and I'm gonna, like, so I'm gonna double, triple, quadruple down into our attack on the mouse.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: There is a distinction between OVA slash OAV versus straight to video STV. Two things actually. First, STV sounds dangerously close to something entirely different that you really don't want anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. And o- OVA slash OAV implies quality. Mm-hmm. That's true and, <laughs> I was like, and like it's
4: yeah fight it's like me, me, I, it's, I dare you
0: <laughs> it's tailored specifically for that broadcast like medium
3: mm-hmm.
4: I
0: guess it's it's kind of like like mini series in a way where it's like, oh, we're just gonna make this like short story,
3: mm-hmm. not enough to really broadcast with, but more than a movie,
2: yeah, it does lead to some weird instances where like every pat labor entry is basically an o v a so it's very hard to like there's not exactly real continuity between them because each one was made like as a standalone concept but they are sort of in the same universe or they're kind of sequential they are part of the same set so it it gets a little fuzzy that way but hey it's it's effect,
0: yeah especially other Tenchi effect big franchises like this that like especially when they span like a lot of time in the stories um You get a lot of, like, little side stories put out on OVAs.
2: Any other vocab? Um. uh.
0: No. Okay. I mean, no, it's just that one on my list, unless you have something else you'd like to add. Uh,
2: I I think there's going to be, oh, yeah, there's going to be one, but we'll get to it uh, when we get to that episode.
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh, I'm ready. All right. We watched three episodes. We watched episodes one, two, and six. Uh, So in episode one, War for Two, it's the year 0079. And Shiro Amada is traveling on a federal supply ship with other members uh, headed towards the Earth.
2: I do wish they told us, like the exact date in 0079 because then we could pinpoint it in where it takes place exactly in the timeline of the original Gundam. Mm-hmm. And I'm the kind of nerd uh, well, who likes to figure that out. I mean, yeah, arguably you can.
0: This is a month after the beginning of the original 1979 Gundam series.
2: So that's where the series start. that already st- no, well, no. So I think that series is starting like mid war. Doesn't
3: it? I mean, it, actually, yes, you are. It is the one-year war, but I've, I don't remember if it exactly. As soon as I said February, I'm like, I don't remember if it actually started in January and lasted the whole year because I think it actually ends in double o eighty, the year 0080. It,
2: so it starts, I mean, it, January, kind of it starts on January. It starts on January third, double uh, o seventy nine, <laughs> and ends on January first, double o eighty. That's why it's the one-year war. Wow, uh-huh.
3: there's, there's
0: I there. didn't expect it to be like January to January. I feel like that's a I did. on the nose.
3: <laughs> I did because the, there's so many other anime series where they'll do things like that, or even other science fiction series where. I, I know the series, the titular, uh, or not titular, the quintessential cult sci-fi series from the 90s, Babylon 5, literally starts every season despite broadcast air, uh, start time in the, in the universe January ends in December.
1: Actually leads into my question. This is 0079. I'm a lover of Star Trek, and they use their star dates. What are they pulling their uh, quote-unquote year from?
3: So, Universal Century, is its origin is slightly covered in a different Gundam series that was created later, but in it, it significantly identified that Anno Domini, and I forget exactly which year in Anno Domini, But sometime in our far future, we stopped using that because there was so much new development and uh, transition into space. We had space colonies, active development for that, and the intent to branch out farther than Earth and the moon and keep going. And as such, there were other human developments going on at the time that
1: the universal century
3: was yeah to to essentially say this is the newest point in human history the newest significant marker
1: okay but we're still using days months years etc absolutely it's just starting at
2: one
0: yes okay um oh uh, god there are so many different ones
2: here (laughs) i'm i'm looking this up uh uh, I'm not seeing exactly when they switch over. The first part in the Universal Century timeline is 1969, July 20th, um, because that's when <laughs> mankind went to the moon. This is yeah. on the Gundam wiki. Um, yep. But uh, year one is when people begin to immigrate to the space colonies, and the um, United Earth Federation is formed. Yeah. So I believe that is what starts the because because it's sense. saying it is. It is, it is a timeline that now includes we have people living on Earth and around, and there is a a new government to to encapsulate both.
3: Mm-hmm. There is another piece to it, but I do not wish to discuss it here because it t- it's part of a major reveal and the plot to a whole like I said, a whole another Gundam series in the Universal Century mm-hmm. that takes place almost twenty years after. The original series. Current. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, there's the Universal yeah. Century, there's the Future Century, there's the After Colony, there's the After War, there's the Correct Century, there's the Cosmic Era.
2: <laughs> oh.
3: That
0: cosmic Era. Oh me for word. Word. Wow.
4: It's,
2: it's a lot of different uh just alternate timeline stuff. Like, it's not like they all exist on the same line.
0: Right. Um
3: Except for one, which <laughs> implies they all exist in the same time.
2: Yeah, well, I played um, that Zelda Dynasty Warriors game, so I know what's up.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, don't get me wrong. I, I look at that one. I hear good things about it. And I'm like, I don't think I'm still ready to watch that one yet.
0: <laughs> All right. So, episode one.
2: Wait, wait, wait. I'm almost here. Um, I'm in 0079. I'm on April 1st. That's when they launch Project V. Uh, so, I think, I think it is in August sometime that... Uh, Yes, here we go. Uh, 0079, September 18th is when the first series begins. So this takes place in October of 0079. So like, what, only two months before the war ends? Wow, for some reason I thought it
3: was a little bit longer.
1: It actually helps me understand a little bit. Yeah. Happily.
2: And actually that explains some of the things that I was questioning and researching before we were recording. But okay, yeah, let's get into this show and not just the greater Gundam timeline. Yeah,
3: I'm already start critiquing space travel in this show. <laughs> well,
1: essentially the episode starts and we're introduced to uh, Michael. Although I believe I'm with our pre-talk that I'm mispronouncing his name or is it Michael?
3: It is Michael. I I have fun with the spelling.
2: It is uh yeah. I swear they pronounce it like Mikel, like almost like it's spelled with a Q. Uh,
1: well, anyway, uh, Mikey here is like missing his bow. And I, because we've only watched three episodes, I don't know if it is a continuous gag or if he's writing to her every single episode. Uh.
3: The Ken Burns style documentary letters in every episode.
1: Gotcha. He really misses her. And he's telling her all about how they're in space, and they're going to earth and And we are, I believe, introduced to uh oh some guy who's like, "This is the commander. I can't think of his name right now." And that's when we meet Shiro, who looks like a slacker
4: mm-hmm.
1: Uh, They're flying to Earth, and typically the way that it sounds. Round Earth is a no combat zone, except when there's
2: combat, so it's under federation control. It's not like a front line
1: okay
0: yeah, well, so there... like, theoretically there's no reason for like a clash to happen there
1: Well, there's a one clash going on <laughs> and and the pilot of the good guys quote unquote uh although not even quote unquote the good guys uh, is losing. To the Xenon people. And because this is a transport ship, the pilot's like, we aren't going into this. We aren't equipped for this. And Michael's like, yeah, that makes sense. And Shiro's like, no, we gotta save him. Don't you have, uh, one of those ball ships or something? does a ball ship move?
3: Think of, like, the work B from Star Trek
1: yeah but yeah it has the little two rockets underneath it, and it looks like it has some defense, but not really
2: okay hi, this oh, is there oh, we go the ball is one of my favorite units, and so a ball is basically a zero g like It's more of a construction unit than an actual military unit. It is for civilian uh, use and like, uh, yeah, like construction and basic uh, space manipulation. Remember Uh, how an
0: outlaw star that those dudes are inside the ball? Yeah. I get it. I just
1: don't know how practical it is. I guess I'm with the cargo ship or the transport ship's captain thinking that, and obviously they're doing to show how great he is, but I don't think it was a wise decision either.
2: During the one-year war, because the war—don't forget—we're like eight months into the war. We've had a stalemate. There's actually things about like, um, uh, supply chain shortages. Which, hey, that resonates. Uh, yeah. but basically, a lot of these uh, construction robots were getting retrofitted, which is like, hey, take that bulldozer and put a battleship cannon on it, and that's the okay. equivalent of what the ball is here. It it does have the um, what is it the the fifty, 50 caliber. Um, like uh a cannon on top and it is uh <laughs> that is a retrofit weapon so it is like a a last chance defense if anything it is more used as like a backline unit for artillery support again only in space because it ain't got no legs uh lieutenant Dan is it lieutenant Dan <laughs> of Gundams <laughs> wow and in this situation it works out
1: for him because Shiro gets the upper hand and saves the pilot of the broken Gundam
2: Okay. Uh-oh. Can I do it? Are you going to do what I'm going to do?
3: I think you're going to... Are you going to correct the description? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to do.
1: Um, actually, go ahead.
3: Uh, hold on, I've got glasses. Uh I, I can put... um Middle finger. Uh, um, actually, Bob, mm-hmm. those are uh GM mobile suits. They are not actually Gundams because they do not have the little uh, antenna at the top, the gold with the red center antenna. Otherwise, they're just general purpose mobile suits. So,
2: uh, okay. This is what I was really fell down ADA. the rabbit hole of before the show. Um, and I won't address it here. There's a moment in my notes in one of these episodes where it comes up and I was wrong and I had to correct myself. So I'll save it for then. But okay. the base for right That's now, the V thing on their helmet on the head unit is not the only signifier that something is a Gundam.
4: True.
1: It's whether someone says, hey, that's a Gundam, and I believe them.
2: Go on, because otherwise we will be here for hours. So,
1: pilot gets (laughs) saved, and Shiro kind of gets blasted away because he does sort of a last ditch mission effort. Uh, At the same time, the pilot of the green Uber, not Gundam... uh, Zaku.
2: It's a, a prototype Zaku, yes. Oh my god, this is uh, what this whole episode a, is! I'm oh, sorry, I'm sorry!
3: It was it was a manic pixie color scheme Zaku. Oh my god. Right, so
1: so Zach Efron, you know, he uh-huh. got broken down real bad, and his pilot flew away. Uh, the pilot escapes into one of the blown up outer space.
0: There's bursts. so much debris in that orbit around Earth.
1: Yeah. Fortunately, some of them still have oxygen, which works out and has power. And thank goodness everything is solar, I guess. Uh I honestly, mean probably nuclear. Y- yeah, it's in yeah, the world, right. a it's lot a of things are
3: nuclear powered. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So you you build off your original, so
2: it is it is a new uh form of power supply. It is a Minovsky reactor based on the work of Dr. Minovsky. Um and it uh it is a nuclear reactor that is the size of about four refrigerators together, so they can use it everywhere, um, oh, wow. but,
3: but it also still goes very bad boom when you blow it up
2: yes That's really but the the bigger thing, and this is like a weird premise bit of Gundam is that it releases a new kind of subatomic particle called a Minofsky <laughs> particle, which they save pretty often in original Gundam, I'm pretty sure um they do. But basically, it messes with like long range radar and scanning, and that's why you don't just like shoot lasers from space to your target because you can't target that far anymore. That's why everything is back to like like um uh, vis- visual, hand, visual hand. range combat yeah
3: yep, and that is correct. It's essentially radiation radar chaff,
1: yeah see i i Knew that, but I was I was testing your knowledge. That
3: I believe crazy. you.
0: I, I knew. didn't know that, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, thanks to the monopoly powers that be, uh, so electricity still works. Uh, the I believe at this point we cut to the other ship where everyone's like, "Oh, he's not coming back." And the pilot of the broken down, not Gundam. is like give him a chance in my life.
3: What's his name, Bob? Uh, do we know what is? No, I think that they address him. Is it? Yeah, they do. They they reference him a couple of times because they say, "Isn't that so and so with the curse?" What's his name, Bob? What's so and so's name? Is this the your colonel? Well, I mean, he's not the actual colonel, but he might as well be with that name, Mister Sanders. That's there right. You
1: go. Oh, Sanders has faith that you no, know, the the kid is going to come back because. He was so good with his ball. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: he's like, he's got two hours of air at the very least. So like, like fix up my ship and I'll go like look for him.
1: That's pretty good repairs for a transport ship.
4: Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it comes in with no more legs and it goes back out with no more legs. So I think they really like literally just take a welder and patch a hole. Yeah. I'm assuming the
3: speed chart wouldn't explode when it moved
1: we cut back to shiro and unknown pilot they're having a shootout in space which i question with gravity but hey whatever uh because there's gravity mm-hmm. kind of and they need it to be there uh
2: i i think there's a magnetic uh, boots explanation oh, okay mm-hmm.
0: i was gonna say honestly the wreck that they're on is so big i would not be surprised if the like minimal gravity and proximity is enough to kind of keep you oriented
3: hold on now i get to do a neck moment hold on let me push up my glasses one more time oh, okay. here we go. so typically in gundam the larger actual naval space naval vessels don't have gun uh gundam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't have gravity um they you will see people in other gundam series they'll have these little rails along the side uh, mm-hmm. little rail tracks along the oh, side of every no, wall. I'm
0: not saying, like, they're created. I'm saying just by... Oh. Uh, ...by virtue of how massive they are, like, you're able to kind of float around and not float away because...
3: Like, oh, that, yes. I'm sorry. I thought you were saying the other thing. My
0: mistake. No, sorry.
1: <laughs> uh, so, Shiro and we don't know who have a shootout. Uh, Shiro lands a shot and because he is such super nice guy, he's like, why are you shooting me? And... You know, through the power of love, friendship, and a weird tape band aid, uh, the pilot's helmet comes off, and it's this chick, Aina, 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 because that's not a very German
0: name. Uh, <laughs> Voiced by the same woman who voices Melfina in Outlaw Star. Oh, did that? Yeah,
3: I was going to get to that later.
0: Oh, oh that's nice. Okay, I think
3: we have a Lupin voice actress in here too. I'm actually researching it now.
1: <laughs> uh, so, Ina is not too keen initially on Shiro popping her out because they're enemies. But eventually, Shiro's like, hey, we gotta survive this somehow. Stupid. But we might as well make sure we're okay to go. Uh, through working together and going out into space, uh, the Xenon warriors come and save Ina. And Colonel Sanders comes and saves Chiro, who comes back to Michael, was fairly convinced he was going to die. Mm. Which I feel like is also a recurring theme. Mm-hmm. And the episode ends with them coming uh, to Earth. I believe. Or is that the start of the second one? I think um, it's the end of the first they one. They
3: come to Earth. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah it, it, it ends with him having a nap on the first one, and then the second one, they're on Earth
1: then we have credits, which are very fun.
3: Oh, Did we talk no, about also, Earth?
1: we didn't talk about Earth. We meet all the people there that he's going to be commandeering over, hmm. I think. Aren't we in the first one?
3: Yeah, they were in the first one. They, uh, okay. In fact, I think that's exactly how the first one starts, is we we get to meet the literal, actual Karen. <laughs> we,
1: we, meet, we meet angry lady who thinks that she should be boss, but is not boss uh dude who doesn't care about anything and just sings hard rock songs,
3: the hippie, yes,
1: but we have Grandpa, we have all the
3: ages, yes,
1: I'm trying to think I think there's one more who is eluding me.
3: No, they don't introduce Although that's why, because, uh,
1: yeah, because the other two editions are or other three editions are Michael, Colonel Sanders, <laughs> and hero,
3: yes, that's exactly why I made you say the name.
1: Oh uh, credits, which actually I will say at this point, I did enjoy the credits. Mm-hmm. Even though it's repeated every episode, I found it to be engaging, like realistic.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It, it really is. Like I, I will constantly in my notes, just cite Ken Burns documentaries and moments. Like, or my eyes keep wandering
1: the... around what's going to happen next.
3: Mm-hmm it's it's the ken burns moment of ah oh, this footage from this future war that ken burns will clearly do a documentary of at some point it, and it's that real life between firefights kind of moment and i like that for the end credits um and and even the intro credits you kind of get those the still shots of life not in combat in the military service
1: Uh, oh, one side note because it gets repeated a lot and I don't know what it means because I'm assuming it has more to do than what I watched. Colonel Sanders has the nickname The Crew Killer or something?
3: It's covered in the second episode. The kind
1: of. Reaper. Yeah. What so yeah, we've got in episode I two really about
4: it.
0: I have a question. Yes. Yes. In the first episode when they're looking at Earth from the spaceship, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Shiro says, Oh, it looks so much bigger. it looks different than from side two. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Hey, what's side two? It's a colony. Yeah, that's what
2: No. Hey, this is in my notes. This is something this is also what I was researching. <laughs> oh. Um Is it not a colony? Do I have
1: my going to say actually that? after the
2: yeah, yeah, do mm-hmm. actually? Um actually I believe you will find. Um so a side is specifically a group of colonies. Right, that's what it they, is. They are like like individual colonies, I think, are called islands, or some of them are called islands. They have individual names. But a mm-hmm. side is basically like a, a cluster of colonies. There, Murder of crows. There are seven sides set up within the orbit of Earth and the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the Lagrange points, because that's where you can get a stable orbit. I was mm-hmm. reading a lot of wiki pages.
0: I know about Lagrange points. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, <sighs> it's
3: actually because of Gundam I learned about Lagrange points. Uh, oh, I'm
0: I'm just a nerd life. and uh, kind of was considering going into like astrophysics or something. I was younger.
2: <laughs> I mean, um, fair. But but further on that specific line, he doesn't just mention side two. He's actually saying something about. I want to, I joined the army so that that way uh, uh, tragedy is like what happened at side two don't happen again. Who wants yeah. to know what happened at side two?
0: Me! That was my second so, question.
3: Since my memory isn't as good and golden as I thought it was, Nick, please help my old man stay out.
2: So, um, the, and this is something new that I found out. Uh, the way that the war began, uh, oh, this is the fun part, is the principality of zeon said hey we want independence and we're starting a war about it and three seconds later fired the opening shots oh my god oh (laughs) it is
3: elaborate on what the opening shots were
2: um i will but i just like that like it is capitalized the three second warning it just got known as that (sighs) it's like the (laughs) i love that um the opening volley uh I don't I don't know specifically what the opening volley was, but it commenced with the One Week War, which was basically a Zeon Blitzkrieg on a number of sides. I think they attacked like three different sides. Mm-hmm. The way the One Week War culminated, uh, was they basically like killed the population of entire sides and colonies. Um who were still like you know siding with the the federation at that point and and weren't joining the zeon cause uh cuz they want to be independent from earth cuz they're space born and that's kind of what zeon's about uh, also a lot of like uh bloodline lineage stuff going on there uh, Yo. you you can tell by how fancy all their outfits are um but what they d- one of the colonies so first of all there was already like this this major attack and or, like kind of genocide that side two was one of the sides that was attacked during this one week war. In addition one of the colonies that they depopulated they knocked out of orbit and uh-huh. intended to drop it on the headquarters of the Fedder- the Earth Federation in Jaburo. Yeah. But where did it go? They missed and it landed on Sydney, Australia. Oh no. So Sydney,
3: Sydney's now a swimming pool.
2: Yeah, so if you when you see maps of the world in this show, it is the world as we know it, but there is a big asshole in Australia. Um Oh, which is one of my favorite things because in the Dreamcast game, you play as the White Dingo Squadron and you are actually um part of the ground force assault in uh australia and every time you go to like the briefing map you see the australia with the big hole in it and it says you'll be fighting over here outside the hole
3: 0083 stardust memory which is another one of the ovas that came out around this time Mm. uh, if i remember correctly starts off in uh australia and they make use of that map also a lot in the first couple of episodes
2: and it's just one of those like
3: right a thing happened oops
2: Right. Um but yeah, so, so that is that is what happened at side two. Is it, it was this like like literally side two was involved in a just massive war beginning slaughter and also a literal continent reshaping um attack on the earth. Mm-hmm.
3: I believe also in the depopulation of some of those, I believe the specific colony and a few others were hit specifically with nerve gas.
2: Yes. Uh, so, Zeon is full of a bunch of dickholes.
3: Yeah, Ze- Zeon, uh, without going into a lot of detail, Zeon was never meant to be this, and 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 then maybe some analogs for certain historical figures kinda took over and became very fascist. hmm And I will also say one thing, Bob. I know you said the clear good guys. Um, <laughs> the The Earth Federation, or United Earth. It, it it Not good guys either. It, it's very... This series very much as well as... Anybody in year.
0: charge is never the good
3: guy. I mean, you're not wrong. But it, this Gundam, especially Universal Century overall, really mm. makes it clear there aren't good... There isn't a good government per se. They are governments and militaries serving their own purposes and desires and agendas. And they will flagrantly sacrifice life if it means getting what they want.
2: Understandable. Amps ab? Amps 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 ab. Just oh, anarchy, anarchy anarchy. All mobile oh. suit pilots are bastards.
3: Except the main uh. heroes for the most part. <laughs> I mean, you're not Wanting wrong. i
2: we'll, the, we'll talk about that at yeah. the end
4: of this
1: one yeah. yeah, I believe as I hear people say, I have opinions
3: <laughs> oh yes there's there's always an opinion to be had about a gundam pilot
2: um oh. also i I just i want to mention uh, uh, about this episode. I love the space debris fight mm-hmm. because it is it, it, cool. it first of all, grapple combat happens an outless or yeah, worse. second of all um just the way that is like it is is very there's a lot of moments in this show where like um it gets very like predator in the way that it's like it's almost like it like it is a combat scenario but it is all about like tension and kind of waiting and like kind of the horror of not knowing where the attack is going to come from and i i just found that very interesting and, and very effective and and this debris fight, the way that it is, like, slow and tactical, is just, like, such a great example of that. Because the actual, like, fight does not take long. It is, like, one grappling hook shot, and then everything explodes. This
3: episode and uh, episode six, and I'll cover my thoughts on the ones, what I liked in episode six, are make use of a lot of practical environment. Mm. Such as the ball I have grabbing. Say,
0: though. It actually made me laugh out loud when like Shiro's plan in the ball is that he he basically he sneaks up behind a a piece of scrap. But as soon Uh as the pilot sees him, he just dives straight at them and they shoot him directly, repeatedly. Uh And it's just like, wow, what a great plan.
2: So this episode really paints Shiro as like not just naive not just the 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 newbie but also he is very like like idealistic he is out here he like he'll say that he's out here to you know protect his loved ones and help in the war or whatever but like he's also out here to prove himself and sure
3: drinks a kool-aid
2: yeah and it, it, he's very like i i actually love this moment because like it reached to me that like his goal is to give the the pilot of the GM to give Sanders a chance to get away not necessarily to win the fight so he's yeah. just like all right if i just run straight ahead screaming i will be a great distraction and Sanders can get away like he's so like like enthusiastic but also single minded that he's just like all right this is how i'll save that pilot and what about you uh hadn't thought that far
3: yeah there there's I kind of took it as a read as he he is so inexperienced. This is really his first time out of school doing this, and he's just expecting this to work out on some some conscious level, not an active thought. It's just, this will be fine. I will save the day. Hmm. Okay, how do you save your life? I will save the day.
4: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: But to your point, Uh, that's exactly what I loved, is he grabs the piece of shrapnel and uses it to float there. Like, that's actually really smart. And then he's noticed, like, all right, game over. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here we go.
2: Just like oh, Eddie. <laughs> go on.
1: <laughs> How is he a commander, then?
3: That's my He's question. the highest-ranking one?
0: Because... It's an ensign. I know. Because this war has been going on for months. They're at a standstill. They're probably grabbing anybody they can. They're probably speeding people through boot camp and school and being like, all right, marginally passed these tests, so you're now in charge of
1: hey, Bob, how, how bad is Michael? Hey, I hey, mean uh, yes I know the answer to that.
3: Bob but... DS9, the Dominion War. O'Brien still has to salute Nog.
1: That's because he was hired.
3: That's essentially this. These are not a lot of these are non coms
1: Well then they're just silly bullies.
0: Yeah like there's something still- yeah. yeah, hey war is bad. Yeah, yeah. what does this? I guess
1: it, it bugs me that, you know, Cranky Karen is not uh, the head of the group.
3: If if the system were fair and the, the bridge from non-com to officer class were fair at all or easy, she probably would have been. But militaries are designed to have the officer corps be this superiorist control system. The how
1: rank? How's she a higher rank than Michael?
3: Because Michael is still a non com.
1: I thought Th- he was commissioned.
3: No, no. Um, Shiro is.
1: Is Shiro the only
3: commissioned officer then? I believe so. That's how bad things are, Bob.
2: Wait, what's the difference between commissioned and non commissioned? I'm I'm a um, military.
3: Officer officer versus um assistant. you signed up or not. Yeah.
2: Oh, uh, like volunteer versus drafted or something?
3: Yeah. Officers require a degree of school education, whereas um, non-coms, and this is – I'm sure I'm getting this to some degree wrong. Non-coms are essentially, nope, you're coming in, you're going to work a specific trade here, and you're going to get good at it. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of education put in. I mean, there's a reason the middle military academies exist. That's where officers come from. Non-coms do not go through that at all. Gotcha. And it, okay. And Shiro
1: goes to show that you don't have to be bright to pass.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean real world military, American military proves that hand over fist.
1: Uh-huh. Like he's episode shows he's not a bad pilot by any stretch of the imagination. He has ingenuity and he has drive. Those are all very good things. Mm-hmm. Yes, hmm
0: It sure. it's definitely one of those like Things where you see a character and you see them like, oh, you know, I'm signing up. I want to like learn what I'm capable of, Uh help and save. And you're like, oh, honey, you're just gonna get is this crushed? Is this maybe actually in war? What was it called? Tell me out here.
3: Philip K. Dick, Bugs in Space,
2: uh, assault troopers, troopers. Starship Troopers.
3: (laughs) Yeah, is this because that's kind of what happens, uh, with what was his name, Rico?
2: yeah
3: uh he goes i want to sh- i want to do my part and do my thing and,
2: shiro is that you uh yeah kind of um i can
1: see the analogy
0: paul
2: verhoven yeah okay and philip k dick really
0: well I'm... philip k dick uh heinlein wrote the book
2: oh, oh it was okay. heinlein sorry i got it mixed up sorry I was going to say, if that was Philip K. Dick, what a range. Um, I read both of their works,
3: their their body of work kind of the same time of my life. So they kind of bleed together.
2: But, but yeah, I, th- I think there was also uh, comments about like Karen and Sanders both have like social things holding them back that like they get <laughs> a lot of like uh, people don't like them to be in charge and that sort of held them back. Karen
3: um, is kind of like me, where she has um, teamwork issues. Yeah. <laughs> Professional teamwork issues. And Sanders has survivor's guilt, as we'll learn.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, we, we get... This first episode is really about getting a feel for Shiro and a bit for Michael. Um. Hmm. But then we get into episode two to learn about the rest.
3: Yeah, it did, it did give the slow burn also on uh, Sanders for introducing that. Oh, he, he's the Reaper.
4: Mm-hmm. <clears> that
3: yeah, it's
1: episode two. two. It starts with us uh, fully introducing the entire cast, I'll say, even though that's not entirely correct. <laughs> we don't have everyone here yet. Um, but our main five army... Did you say
2: it's an army? I'll
3: say it's an army. Federation, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's technically a navy. Federationalists? Uh,
2: uh, no, these are ground forces. So I think this is... Uh, there, there's a specific point in the timeline where they actually split the Federation forces into different... Uh, they do?
3: I, I didn't remember if they actually did split the two or not. I thought they were all just an organized navy a la Star Trek.
2: I don't know if that has happened by this point in the timeline, but there's definitely at least like ground forces and space forces. I don't know if that uh, if it's called army or navy or whatever, but it's definitely like ground and space are the kind of only designation differences.
3: Yeah, Well, I guess what I'm saying is I think the ranking structure is still the same. Oh, sure. That's more I was trying to get at more than anything.
1: Our our peeps are rolling up and I believe it may have actually been episode one, but it's more drilled home in episode two here. Uh, Karen's not so good at keeping commanders.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: She's a little abrasive, so that's just a running joke. A smidge. Yes. Uh, here the hippie just loves his music, and uh, we find fun. out. Thank you. Hippie. Uh, he's gonna be hanging out with Mike a lot because we find out through introductions that. Uh, the Xenons have a base that's near this base, which is really weird. You'd think that they could throw rockets or whatever, but neither here nor there. Uh, it's a factory for building their new uh, green suits, the Zac fronts
4: mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. So they have to go out and get them. And I believe it's Sanders, Shiro, and Karen get uh, the new Gundams. And that's why I was thankful for the explanation, because... I only know Undoom through uh, people having their uh, models. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know it. And as a kid, even up till uh, learning from Chuck, I I was sorely confusing them with
2: uh, Transformers. I can believe I it. I knew you were going to see Transformers. Oh, my God.
3: It has happened when I have displayed some of mine at my work office back in the day. It, oh, you like Transformers? Like,
1: hmm. To know that these are just, you know, mm, I don't want to say gazords, but mm. uh, these are fighting robots, for lack of a better term, currently.
2: Uh, uh, in, in Steel Battalion, they would be referred to as vertical tanks.
1: But uh, to know that this is just when we're first meeting the Gundams, I know that there's like 500 million different Gundams out there. Okay, so. But this, is, this is the original Gundam, isn't it? <laughs> oh,
3: these, are, oh, oh. these are based off the original Mo- Gundam mobile suit design, yes, but
4: these yes. are. Oh. <laughs> okay, Nick, go ahead.
3: Oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh. Grab a hole, engage.
2: Okay. A, okay, alright. A Gundam is made out of Gundanium.
3: I thought that was only in wing
2: so i think this is like i don't know if it's a retcon thing or or something listen so much has been done to like retcon stuff purely in order to introduce new lines of model kits um that it's sure. ridiculous at this point but basically um there is a a form of titanium that you can only mine from the moon and it is stronger than regular titanium and when they are building when in the written okay only in universal century uh you have the gundam which is the white one the red blue white and yellow you can call it grandpa um that one is basically like a prototype war winning suit um, it is made out of this lunar titanium and also uh, it can use beam weaponry. So it is like the first one that can have like uh space cruiser battleship style particle cannons, but in like a handheld form that these suits can use. Um, that is the Gundam. Uh, these are based on that prototype these are also the ones that we see in this show the um they are Gundams because a they are based on that same model of the Gundam and they are made out of uh the lunar titanium uh so they have the increased durability like the Gundam has they also we see a couple of times they also uh have beam rifles so in the last episode what sander what we first see sanders in is a gm uh that is not a gundam it is also uh sort of in the same lineage as the gundam so basically first they built a gundam then they built these gundams that uh, our pilots get then they started building the gms gms are mass production they were the first mass produced federation suit they were not made out of Gundanium because it was too costly to get all of that. They were made out of regular earthbound titanium, so they are much weaker. Um, and because of that, they are just mobile suits. They are not actually Gundams. All Gundams are mobile suits. Not all mobile suits are Gundams.
3: Did you push up your glasses at least while you were telling this, Illinois? Like
2: three times.
3: I'm um, so happy. I guess that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it... so, so basically, Go. like the for so
0: mobile suit is the generic term gundam is a mobile suit made with gundanium
2: yes which is the lunar titanium it's stronger it is also often like a prototype unit um pretty much any mass-produced suit is not going to be a gundam so like all all the zakus we fight those are not gundams those are mobile suits all the the red and white GMs without any blue bits on them, those are mass produced. They're made out of regular titanium. Those are mobile suits. I am the biggest pedant nerd y'all have ever met, and thank you for allowing me to stay on the show.
3: <laughs> I love this TED talk
2: <laughs>
1: I that all that did was open up several questions from me that I don't think that can
2: be answered. Oh I'm they, so, I'm willing to try. I'm, to try. I'm excited to try. We Our, need to start
3: a Patreon just to make the episodes for this. I'm telling you, just to make the TED Talk episodes. Yes,
1: I'm assuming they still make Gundam shows today.
3: Yes, they're, yes. They're, they're, in two weeks, the Witch Gundam, Mobile Suit Gundam, the Witch from Mercury will air its season two. So yes, they still do.
1: Is that in your main storyline here? No,
3: it is an it is one of the alternate universe. However, it, Bob, in the last few years, like when you and I were still sharing an apartment. They had, uh what was it, Gundam Next, or NXT, I forget the appropriate title for us, but that was a continuation of the uh Universal Century, and on Netflix right now is Hathaway's or I forget the exact title, but it is a continuation into the triple-digit years of the Universal Century. So yes, they are still making those as well. Yeah,
1: so... would there so, be a finite amount of Gundanium then? So...
2: Um, oh no. so so, oh my I th- goodness, I think there's a second moon, I'm not sure on this.
3: I think they can also get it from asteroids because I seem to recall that being a thing. Okay. Maybe, again, that might be just wing or one of the other series I'm remembering because they all kind of bleed together after a while for sure. Okay, so it's a so space it's,
0: metal that's just yes, not it's not,
3: not rare, but it's rare. It's, it it is. It's adamantium. It sounds convenient.
2: The sound. This metal yeah. sounds
3: convenient. Bob well, it adamantium, is, yes. the hardest metal ever in
2: Marvel. It's inconvenient. It's not necessarily finite, but it is more costly to get, and that's why it's not used in mass produce. Which is why you have your uh, father mobile suits that can get blown away four at a time in most of these shows by whatever your your protagonist Gundam is.
3: And Nick, did I did I maybe blank out for half a second? Did you mention they can? It can only be de- uh, like developed in space, not just found in space, but like developed for the mobile suit in space.
2: In
0: Gundam? Oh, like. Like, yes. process? The metal, you mean? Can Space Forge?
3: Now, now, hear me out. That might be just Gundam Wing, but I know there have been other Gundam series, i.e. Wing, that I can think of where they said the Gundams themselves can only be made in space. So... It's
2: inconvenient. Per- yeah. per- pretty much everything I'm trying to lay out here is just in UC, which, honestly, I, I, am, oh, I am... After I reading wiki pages that? earlier, this is the most... Uh, m- knowledge I've ever been on the UC. Um, but like, yeah, if we're, get, if we're talking about wing or alternate timelines or anything like that, the oh, I rules think can be completely it. different in terms of where Gundanium well, comes from.
3: A, a lot of some of their base elements tend to draw from uh, UC. And that's yeah. why I wasn't sure that I think that one is also there, but again, don't hold me to that because I think uh, uh, the, the, the Gundam, the OG Gundam, Mm -hmm. And the ones from Stardust Memory, the one in 0080, all were built and constructed in space colonies.
2: I believe that's true, but I believe that is more because, like, they didn't want to build them on Earth because the Earth was already under attack. So it was like, hey, we're kind of building these in secret, or at least out of immediate sight of the enemy forces.
3: Anaheim electronics is also another thing, but we won't go into that rabbit hole. Um but I th- like I, said, I think that was also part of it is that they had to be in space, like I said. I'm don't don't consider that necessarily, I'm a hundred percent sure of that, but I thought that was also the case.
1: Specifically Gundams?
3: Yes, specifically the Gundams themselves. Anything not an actual Gundam can be built anywhere.
1: Okay, yeah. which explains the factory. That's like two blocks down, but mm-hmm. walk around with their eyes closed.
2: It's a yep. it's a Zaku factory, so you know, you can put those wherever. You could it didn't just... come
3: from the Gundam region of space. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah that's it, that's it. Oh my! Otherwise, god. they're
3: just sparkling mobile suits.
2: Uh-huh. Oh my god!
3: We did it. We got there. I was hoping to get some kind of silly reference, and it happened off the cuff. I'm so happy.
2: Good, 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 good. All right. We're in episode uh, two, right?
1: Yes, we are starting episode uh, two. <laughs> in fact, they're getting ready to just walk out to try and find this uh, secret base. The, the base that's right next to the Starbucks that they keep missing.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big jungle, Bob.
1: Yes. Uh,
2: yes. It's a big jungle, but somebody's got to shoot it. <laughs> mm-hmm. What?
1: Oh, so this apparently is the size of an entire continent jungle. They start wandering around. And as they're leaving, Shiro's struggling with his kingdom uh, And Karen gives him grief because Karen feels she has the knowledge, but still isn't the head. And this is kind of leading to the example of why they probably don't have commanders for very long.
3: And to uh, help you out, she, both Karen and Sanders are sergeants. Uh, Mikael, uh, Michael, and Sanders, or not Sanders, the other one, Eleanor are corporals. They are all unlisted rank or enlisted, enlisted ranks, excuse me.
1: Makes But uh Speaking of, uh, Mike and Elidor are in a tank. Uh, they're kind of like your forward guard, I believe, doing research for the Gundams.
2: It's Yeah, it, it's somewhere between a, a scout and just like a support vehicle. It, it's kind huh. of a recon unit, it's a sonar recon unit, which I really like.
3: Mm-hmm. It's their comms truck is what I kept referring to Or the comms
2: team
1: uh, Because they have to keep connecting everyone And make sure that it's not listed Because our Gundam's kind of split up a little bit mm-hmm. uh, I trying to remember if it's Sanders or Karen Comes across one of the No, they come across two Yes And one pulls out his electric axe Is it Karen or Sanders that pulls out their sword?
3: I think it was Karen. Don't
2: call uh, me though. Might have I been Sanders. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, obviously
2: I know it's one yes. of the two.
3: It's, it's that's
1: not Shiro. I'm, I'm not. trying. I'm not trying to blur the two because they're yeah. very different characters. But in this particular scenario, one of the two fight the one, and Shiro mm-hmm. goes up chasing off after the other because like he has a good commander. He's like, "You stay here. I'm going to go off and get lost." And once mm-hmm. again, Michael writes in his notes, went away. Maybe he went away. It's never coming back. It's, Michael is probably the most ridiculous and thereby my favorite character.
2: Uh, I I do want to point out here at this point, like when he goes off to chase this other Zaku down, uh, before they go out he does give like a speech to his team where he says I don't want heroics out there my job is to make <laughs> sure everyone comes home alive and then he's the one who the guy who went out in the ball is now going to go run off and make sure to chase this guy down instead of staying together and getting home
3: typical officer corps bull
2: oh my god what a so shit?
1: so apparently these are new Zac fronts. And
3: these are different
2: Zac Efron's, but yes. Uh, yeah, I think uh, they they're are normal ones.
1: Well this one apparently is good at dodging, weaving, and blending because Shiro loses him in the brand new fancy Gundam. Mm-hmm. And you know, apparently they they've invented space flight. All robots that can wield amazing weapons and air conditioning eludes them.
2: Mm-hmm. So, okay. Alright. Hold up. <laughs> um these are specifically the RX 79 ground type. Uh they so you have the Gundam, and that is like the granddaddy unique suit. Um then you have these. These are kind of the like customs, like this is what you get from like Orange County choppers of Gundams. There these suits that they're using, there are only about 20 of them that were made. Um and specifically they are like the like stripped down Street Racer versions because they're like oh we won't go into space so we don't need all these extra parts and part of that is apparently uh temperature control system so like no the these are the sport car versions like no we stri- we stripped out all the extras to save on and the extra hundred dollars uh-huh.
3: I mean there's not even an argument to be made well it. it... It would be less power. I'm like, you're still piloting a, a nuclear powered robot suit in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> I don't think you can not have enough of a power output signature to hide.
2: Listen, if you're gonna make those jump, you need to divert all energy from the ACs to the thrusters.
3: And I mean I could get that, but yeah, it's like, hmm, computer processing now, nah, let's not put any like liquid coolant in here. We're just gonna let this thing go. <laughs> It's very much, though, obviously a very 80s and thus continuing into the 90s sense of mentality of mechanical design. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't think tanks at the time had air conditioning. I know very little about tanks, but I don't think they had any.
1: I will only reference this at this point and then not for the rest of the episode because I don't know how many times we flicker back and forth. But essentially with everyone outside of Shiro they say how Shiro ran off. He's probably going to die and they go back to base.
2: Uh-huh. But so. Sanders is there just being like, no, we'll wait for him. I, I believe in this kid for some reason. Sanders, uh, Sanders is a good Lieutenant Worf.
1: Hmm. So I think he stands by the fenceman anyway, in the future. Uh, <laughs> so Shiro gets warm and that's a plot point. So he opens up his. Gundam. cool down in the middle of a jungle, which that's not how that works. (laughs) Uh, He's also thirsty.
4: And how?
1: (laughs) Once again, bringing extra bottles of water is probably too far advanced for this advanced future. They are very Earth-conscious, and they're like, well, he would be back in a day anyway.
2: Yeah, it was not supposed to be, like, a stakeout mission.
1: (laughs) Uh, It was just supposed to be, like, a go find out where this factory is and then come back. Uh, so Shiro goes off to cool down and leave his Gundam sitting. I I guess.
2: Yeah. You you just have it sit down and then it hides below the trees.
1: (laughs) And he goes wandering in the jungle. That's super hot to cool down. Uh, does conveniently find a lake, though, to help cool down. It's a drink of water. And comes across uh, a a character who sticks around, I believe.
2: hmm Yes. Uh, What's her name? Kiki. Yeah, Kiki. I, I don't think we learn her name in this episode.
3: Not in this one, no.
1: No. Uh, she's a person who lives in the village nearby. I believe it's how it's explained because before they go out, they say that there's uh, the people who still live out in the jungle.
2: Yeah.
4: Uh,
1: she is bathing herself and Shiro is quite possibly the biggest creeper ever.
3: And how? No, no, no.
0: at no, he's really given, not, but he's At any he given
1: point, he could have said something or anything.
0: We're not saying he's not a creeper.
1: Yeah,
3: Bob, you understand We're anime, saying
0: that's... by anime standards, this is not that bad. Yeah,
3: By yeah. anime standards, Bob, this this is an upstanding citizen.
0: Yeah,
2: honestly. Who just, like,
1: who just this... sat there and stared at this lady swimming naked for by like a minutes. By anime standards,
3: Bob... <laughs>
2: He he didn't do the like wiggly fingers getting ready to grab, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he or just the
0: like weed. ogling thing.
2: Yeah, he wasn't ogling. He he was looking respectfully <laughs> and, at this. And on the uh-huh.
1: side, I think he did not have a bad, like a super bad reaction. It's like, what are you doing? And then you belong to the Federation. And you got out of here.
3: That that thought about the federation came after she fired a couple rounds in his (laughs) direction, which I I think is the appropriate response.
2: I love Kiki. She's it's just on sight with her. It's just like oh, somebody's here. Starts dumping. And I I
3: will interrupt because I know we discussed this before the podcast. This is the point where I realize, oh God, she's not eighteen. No, this feels weird. (laughs) This is wrong. Shiro, you're twenty three.
2: So I was gonna say this is another um anime vocabulary term uh <laughs> opportunity. Uh because uh I forgot and so like this is in our, our late night tsunami tier, right? Huh? So yes. I am tr- I saw this uh because because she's tits out in this show. There is just tits on screen. Um yep. and tits is our vocab word, by the way. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, I'm trying to remember, like, if they show this on Toonami, like, I think they did show it in, like, the Midnight Run, so maybe it was uncensored there, but if they showed this, like, during the day, I'm trying to remember how they censored this, or, like, maybe they just cut some of these shots. Typically,
3: uh, what I've seen, remember them doing, is, like, uh, the black band-implied uh, strapless, either bathing suit uh, or bra, yeah yeah, 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 the skinniest tube top in the world. Arm. Yeah, the tube top or the tank top.
2: Yeah, okay, that makes sense too. You can you can airbrush one of those on. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, anime loves to go tits out. Um, mm. like, I I I don't even remember what show it's from, but there's like a very famous GIF of like. The anime girl, like, whipping around in her chair, and, like, she stops moving, and then her breasts keep bouncing around in different directions for five more seconds. You um, know,
3: I feel like I should know this, and I don't think I've seen that.
2: Oh, uh, I'll...
0: I know which one you're talking about.
2: Okay, at least I'm not making that up. That would be terrible looking for me. No,
0: I believe
3: it's real, it's just somehow that <laughs> one's dodged me, and I'm not sure if I'm really, you know, sad about that. That's because I will take the... your word for it.
0: That's because most people have seen the one with the the woman with the big boobs who's dodging the bullet and her bounce oh, boobs God. bounce in such a way that the bullet, like, goes between them. Yeah. Bob, that you remember... We, we
3: won't name names. You remember the roommate I had, though, after you? Huh? That was his favorite show. Oh, that was God. called High School of the Dead. The physics in there make the Matrix look believable.
2: That's not the same as Oni Chanbara, is it? I don't believe so, no. No. Okay. Um, God. But, but yeah, so, so like my point here is, um, we had Melfina an Outlaw Star. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and she at least like always covered up with her hands. No, she didn't. Mm-hmm. That's not, all no, the time, she did not. not. That's right. Not. So this is even, even in like our first, like, uh, anime girl tits out moment. But when she's
3: plugged into the ship, she is covered.
2: Yeah, w- w- when, when we see her, like camera is inside the tube's face with her she usually has her hands down or something um but like a lot of famous and well-regarded anime so like i can immediately call to mind the ghost in the shell original movie and akira yep. both have like a uh, uh nudity in them uh okay and some
3: even questionably regarded uh, well known anime, like, again, I will keep bringing it back up in this episode, Tenchi, the whole Tenchi Muyo thing. A right. lot of its early stuff, you know, you're going to find that there.
2: Yeah, because, like, if it's not, like, directly just, like, showing tits, there is a lot of, like, oh, look at this character with just obvious breasts, just, like, <laughs> over animated, like, such an emphasis on it. Anime. <laughs> Anime loves to give their girls obvious breasts. Um, that is a sentence. Yeah, put that on the box for this podcast. Podcasts come in boxes now, right?
0: Um, and of course, those anime are always the ones your parents
2: catch you with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that or the
3: Sailor Moon transformation
2: sequence. <laughs> oh, I could say things about that, but that is that's a different wiki page. Um, uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, so like like this idea, or or even um. The, uh, w- whether the the anime is going tits out or not, so many anime have the sort of sex pest main character. Um, yeah. you want to talk, like, e- even, um, uh, Lupin the Third is kind of a, like, sex pest main yes. character when he's not being, like, a James Bond criminal. Yeah, and that's definitely Ooh, I, I, I can kind of this one.
0: a cultural thing, like, that's definitely more featured in their media.
3: I feel like the way it's portrayed in their media, it's more overt. But I think it
2: does exist in many other cultures. And it's just, of a course, yeah. But yeah,
0: for them, that's like a co- that's a comedic role. Like, is
2: the sex pest? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I uh, what uh, uh You know the lady with horns and blue hair in like the tiger print bikini who is like classic anime pinup girl.
3: I'm yeah. watching. I'm watching the remake of that series, and now that you said it, I can't pronounce it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. But uh, the main the main character who is not that alien lady is mm-hmm. like his entire character definition is a high school sex pest, and it's just like anime loves to have the sex pest, the big booby lady, and occasionally just going straight tits out, and that is. Just so recurring in anime, it's what like you will see, pretty much a version of those.
3: If it's not in like a directly dramatic, only serious tone show, they exist.
2: Yeah, especially as we get further away from like the tsunami zone of shows, like uh-huh. those are where you get it the least. Like I'm trying to think where that comes in in like Cowboy Bebop, and all I can think of is Faye.
3: Sort of. I mean, it really is like Faye is more the visual eye candy quote-unquote.
2: Yeah, Uh, but that's like the most tasteful version of this, I guess.
3: Yeah, I guess.
2: Um, But if that's the tasteful uh, on the axis of tasteful to tasteless, Zero is way closer to the tasteful side. The depths of the boobiness that anime can go are regrettable. Let's
3: put it this way: a lot of anime that were on Tsunami had to be heavily censored.
2: Oh yeah, and we oh. we're not even talking about Dominion Tank Police.
3: Wow, that's a that's a cut.
2: Yeah, that's one for me. Oh
1: boy, I can't wait.
0: I I mean, I don't. I haven't known Chuck as long, but I know Nick and I don't really tend towards the like that kind of anime. Really, I
3: really don't either. Like Lupin. I, and I will. We'll get this out. I love Lupin. I love all incarnations of Lupin. That said, Lupin kind of tries my patience when they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I give a pass to like the Tenchi Muyo OVA because that was one of my gateways into anime, and it was it when it happened. It was typically in a setting at least where you could believe it. And it was an OVA, not necessarily designed to, to sure. be publicly seen by children. So I can, and these are characters that are also supposed to be adults. So yeah. I'm okay with that. I, I, like, in the sense, no, that we're like, here really for the better. story. Yeah. Like
0: anytime that happens in an anime, I'm just kind of like my eyes. like, yeah, yeah, come on, let's yeah. go out with it. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. me,
3: that's what it's become for me. It's it's like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. You know, best girl Ryoko, absolutely an exhibitionist. But I mean, okay, so that that's part of her character it actually makes sense when it happens to other people they genuinely get embarrassed but it's not done for that Ha ha! oh it's like uh, it's kind of serving the story's purpose
0: yeah so just yeah that's less of a predatory field <laughs> i think
3: our i think our list that you know bob surely can see so he knows what's coming i know right I think we all kind of encapsulate that like there's not really that on here and that that's part of the reason like in our very first episode I made it very I wanted to make it very clear we're not going to set you up for certain things like this because frankly I find them pretty tasteless.
1: Oh and I'm not saying mm no I get but you I it didn't it doesn't offend me. Fish hmm. Although the discussion about the age sure. completely to the side. My mind with goes to the only anime I've watched, Dragon Ball Z, and that's Master Roshi's character. Yes, you're not wrong. That's just not my
3: thing. Yeah. Yeah. Roshi is trying.
0: And, like, there are anime that are, like, specifically about that, Mm -hmm. and none of that's on our list.
3: (laughs) And a lot of them tend to be isekai nowadays. That's true. That's why I don't watch isekai. Little isekai.
4: Sort
1: of, like, that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so! Uh, Iki chews away our dear Shiro while well, she continues to remember who he is just for later down the road. I'm assuming they meet up.
3: Reports uh, to the cops.
1: Yep. Uh, because he's gotten cooled down somehow and drinks some water he goes back to his Gundam. And through tumbling around, comes across the Zac Efron again, mm-hmm. pisses it down, Feats it. Uh, I don't think he ever finds out where the factory is, which was the whole point.
2: Yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> At least not this episode.
1: That actually bugged me. <laughs> <laughs> and then he walks back to camp or sets I mean, his gun be gun fair, to walk.
3: Oh, go ahead. To,
0: be, to be fair, finding things in jungles is really hard.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's the one thing, like, despite being massive, giant mobile suits, the setting of a jungle actually works perfectly for this.
1: I guess uh, leaning a little bit into episode 6, I believe that there's enough technology that you could send out drones, but that's just me, especially with your sonar searching abilities. Hey, what do I know? I'm not in their R&D factory.
0: I mean, We still have parts of jungles that are undocumented.
1: Isn't that more of a respect thing? Partially,
0: but also, like, again, it's really hard to see things in jungles. Like the the treetops are so dense and stuff that if you're Mm. doing drones overhead, you can't see it. And, then, and the
3: collective humidity and heat. I mean, yeah. nuclear reactors, sure, they're going to stand out a little bit, but in all that heat, I'm sure to some degree it's, easy, well, it's easily but more maskable than it would be, say, in Siberia.
4: And yeah, the
2: minovsky like, particles. You can uh, yeah. You yeah. can only send a drone out for, like, 20 feet. As soon as it gets past a McDonald's, you can't talk to it no more.
1: I know. It's like <laughs> Starbucks, factory, McDonald's, and mm-hmm. they're like, nah. Welcome
4: to McDonald's. <laughs> 20 billion hidden
1: counting. They're really clever to put it there. Anyway, so oh, he sets shit. his Gundam to walk and takes a nap while it goes in, which I actually enjoy that. Mm-hmm. You can set your Gundam to do basic tasks. You can do your own thing.
3: Autopilots are amazing in the future. Station. And I agree. That was actually when I first saw this years and years ago. That this that was one of my favorite parts. I'm like, oh, why didn't the Gundams in like Gundam Wing or G Gundam do that? That would make perfect sense to have just a base autopilot that can take me home.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And so he returns back, and you know, Mike. I can't tell if it's sadness and disappointment or true happiness, but he came back.
3: I think it's supposed to be awe. It's just a failure in the line delivery.
1: I think it's supposed to be, can't believe it. He came back. Not yeah. maybe awe, but more surprise.
3: Y- yeah, I guess that's more I'm leaning really to. Yeah, it's definitely surprise. Um, it's like, oh, he did it. He's the chosen one. No, wait, hold on.
1: And thus is this episode.
3: Yay. We also did get to meet. You know, between, between, uh...
1: Oh, that's right, we got little
3: it. girls and hunting for Zax.
1: Did we see Aina?
3: Yes, Aina uh, and was her that brother. Yes. Yeah. That was his brother. And her brother, hold on, I wrote it down. Uh-huh. Because I couldn't remember his name for the life of me.
2: <laughs> I I, I'm not even sure they... S-
3: no, it starts with a G. <laughs> hold on. Gineas.
1: Not Guinness.
3: Yeah, because I wanted to say that in Gynax the whole time. Don't worry, we'll cover Gynax eventually, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I can't imagine what. Um, but yeah, Gineas, and he has to take his medicine, and then her watch well, uh, proves the watch. liability.
1: I forgot about the watch in the first episode. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. Rewind. Uh, she gives him a watch so he can always remember her.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. So and that he can in, always remember a, to meet up with her in ten minutes from now. Yeah, and that is the dumbest
1: looking watch ever. It's not even a watch; it's a necklace.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a piece. It's of very art.
0: elaborate. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it is a It
1: doesn't, doesn't turn. Oh yes, we got to that in four. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Or in six. Uh, uh, initially, I thought they were boyfriend girlfriend, mm-hmm. until they introduced brother sister.
0: I so mean, like, Ah, yeah.
3: uh,
0: Baba that doesn't stop the shuttle. Yeah,
3: I would say in anime that doesn't necessarily mean anything. In this, it does. Thank God.
2: Yeah, the Some... way the way that they embrace when she first gets off the shuttle at the yeah, base is just like Ooh. creepy. Yeah.
3: Uh huh. Especially looking at it now, creepy. Yeah, yeah Guineas. To be fair, I think Guineas is always kind of portrayed as a little creepy throughout the series. Series, and I think He's that just adds to it. Port. Well, Well, yeah, that's just it. That watch, which has never gone off in the time Shiro's had that, so I mean, that has to be just a mere scant hours that episode one ended and he touched Earth and took over this team and went on a mission. Maybe it's
1: an every thirty day medicine.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it very well could be because I don't think it ever goes off again. So maybe he either figured out how to turn it off, threw it away, broke it, or you know, it is just what the alarm piece. Yeah, we know he gets
1: to lock it.
2: Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, he the alarm is what betray quote unquote, betrays him and makes uh, Kiki aware that she's not alone. Right. Which, you know, thank God for that alarm piece.
1: So, oh, any other questions, comments or concerns for episode 2? Uh,
3: I'm just looking over my notes real quick. I just like that they reference, like, the sixth ms team. That's part of their patrol recon. It's like, go find them. Bring them home, because they were under... It was implied they are either under attack or possibly at risk of being under attack.
1: Is this another show?
3: No, that was in the same episode. I mean,
2: the 6th team.
3: Oh, no, it's not um, another show.
2: I, man, I wish it was. I, yeah, Maybe it I, was, I like, could, a, a Sega Saturn game or something.
3: Like, I could stand to watch a show about every one of the mobile suit teams that had these, uh, manufactured knockoff Gundams because this one was so well done in my opinion. Spoiler. Uh, yeah, I think this covers all my notes.
2: I, I got a couple last things here. I want to add in. Um, so, uh, when Shiro's out lost and Elidor and Michael are in the truck, uh, we're just hanging out and it's Karen and the Reaper. And something about that feels like that is a show I would listen to while driving to work in the morning um, yeah. on the radio. Sounds like a hub pepper. Oh yeah. I want a
3: Caroline Reaper.
4: Mm. Ooh. I want
3: Karen and the Reaper podcast. Just <laughs> bitching about survivor's oh. guilt and why I'm not getting a promotion. to leaders. <laughs>
1: Sounds like the radio station I'm listening to on the way to work. I believe it. Yeah it's um, carol and the re-re-reaper in the
3: morning mm-hmm.
2: the drive time show oh uh, my god yes but also like um the fights in this show uh like i'm trying to think of what are what are the robot fight shows that we've had so far like we've had if we want to count like outlaw star grapple fighting we had g gundam we had uh big o um i think this is
1: well we had the other gundam right we watched yeah g Gundam. Thank you.
2: Um but like the this style of of robot fight like it is so chunky like it, it has weight yeah like everything happens for a while and everything like the it is so slow but so heavy it's just like you feel the momentum and weight of all of the robots and i love it this is my favorite um like way to see it animated it's so many like games that are like mecha action games all end up being like super fast action but like um uh gundam battle operation 2 is a game that feels the way that this show looks and it's like my favorite mech game i think uh or, or like old mech warrior games uh and also just like you know, the, the first time Shiro is out, he just falls over in his apropos of nothing just because like he's never been in a mobile suit in gravity before. He's only ever fought in space, and it's just like, Oh yeah, no, you gotta deal with gravity now, diff shit. I like, loved that. Oh, it's so good. Just like the 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 the, the, the is this count as verisimilitude of just like the the representation of the weight of these robots is done so well in this series, like even choose- even compared to like other Gundam series, this one oh, is, is makes it I feel do. like oh these are big heavy things.
3: I was actually going to say that for when you were done, Compare because yeah. again I really love and I'll bring up Witch of Mercury compared to Witch of Mercury, which so far has taken place in space or in an artificial gravity environment. Mm-hmm. Th- this kind of Weight and gravity feel is completely absent. Yeah, and some of the more recent Gundam productions, because again, this conversion over to more digitally based animation, it they lack that just feel. Like you could, you can imagine the the vibration from the planting of that foot as it moves, as it walks, and shudders like the windows and skyscrapers. So, whereas nowadays, it's just, oh, we just fly everywhere. We do all these incredible maneuvers. Like, yeah, it was a better
2: time. The Eureka 7. We have surfboards that fly. I never watched that yeah. show. But, um, yeah, I, I just... I I love the, the weight of the actions in this show. It's so good.
3: Yeah, that, that sound that the, all the mobile suits make when they're walking, mm-hmm. it, that implies the the mechanics of there are shock absorbers. There are joints moving that that sells this so well. Yeah.
2: Uh, Joe, do you have any other notes on this app? Nope. All right. Episode six. So episode six, battle
1: line on the burning sand. Um, because it's four episodes later, uh, something happened to Eleanor. That made, oh, Michael be by himself. I don't know, can you explain to me why they didn't give a, like, a spare person
2: here?
3: Uh, resources stretched thin, Do it, deal with what you got, because that's what the military do.
2: Especially in a long, protracted war.
3: Yeah, supply, as, as mentioned, real-life supply line issues prove this, uh, I'm sure, Bob, you can relate to this in some of your past jobs. Sometimes you just don't have the manpower to draw on available to you to do a thing.
1: That is
2: true. I will will accept that. There's actually, like, lore that is gone into a little bit later in the show, Um, (laughs) but this specific run of Gundams, because they were a limited run, there's only, like, 20 of them, they also really don't have spare parts, so these 20 end up getting, like, by the end of their like uh uh deployment lives they all end up being like super customized just because all of the repairs have to be like bespoke and sort of uh you know customized improvised. yeah improvise repairs so like this idea of just like yeah no we are really we again supply chain issues just like yeah no we can't just get you repair parts we just got to work with what we have and and that really sums up, like, the state of their their forces in, in this theater of operations.
3: These units are like the Star Wars ships in the military compared to the Star Trek, where Star Trek, you have all the same universal parts, you put them together, you have a ship. Star Wars is, yeah, we'll slap something in there and we'll make it work. These it ain't rooms, gonna look pretty. The
2: the Gundam ground types are the R2 units of the Gundam universe. I was
3: thinking Millennium Falcon. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Because it's a custom job, and it's it runs, and she's held together by space duct tape and a lot of hopes and dreams.
2: Well, I I just remember, I, there was a, a weird piece of lore that kind of got retconned with the, the prequels and the super sequels, where, mm-hmm. like, specifically, oh, the R2 astromech droids were weirdly more, like, durable than other ones, so they lasted yeah. longer, and people took pride in customizing them, and it's like, yeah, yeah. because we uh, put R2-D2 in every single movie because he's the... The mascot character.
3: He's a, he's the mascot and shall never die.
2: Uh-huh. But they turned that into a piece of lore about like, oh, yeah, people love to customize them because these are badass models.
3: I'm just looking forward to the time they introduce an R2 unit that has like the, the uh, flames painted on the side. Yes. A or... wizard
2: on the side looking like yeah, a wizard fighting
4: drag. a dragon.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my God. I got to draw that now. Yes. That being said,
1: (laughs) (coughs) they're in the middle of the the desert because uh, there's weapons being shot through there, or something was seen. Kiki.
4: Kiki
1: has
3: sources.
1: Kiki is is actually in this episode with some of her friends from her village, or a local village. Her village. Uh, I actually do not know. But I thought her village was by the jungle.
3: It is. That doesn't mean they can't branch out and move around.
1: Okay, so her mo- her mobile village...
3: No, her people just, like, move about. And considering there are some things that happen also, when a war is going on, people do get displaced.
2: Yeah.
1: Acceptable.
0: Also, you can live next to a desert and a jungle at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I do not believe it.
3: Let me tell you, Bob, I remember from sixth grade science class biomes are weird like that,
1: oh against the law anyway, so Kiki sees something in the desert, and the team is going to investigate um, I didn't watch episode five, so I don't know what happened to Eleanor Michael's by himself
2: uh Eldor, so. Elador this is this is a thing that i love because he is not he doesn't just uh he's not just a hippie who loves his music mm. he is a musician he really uh, is. so the previous episode which we almost chose to watch for for this yep. episode um is he gets a letter that says hey um we're going to produce your record you know back home away from the front and so he uh sort of leaves the base uh, to go celebrate by going to the local bar. But while they're there, they run into some Zeon uh, soldiers and they ended up having like a brawl. So uh, he is on, um, basically he's held up in a hospital this episode because of the fallout of last episode. And we get that.
3: a nice little reference to that, which I think everyone reacts to appropriately when they hear it.
2: Yeah. We'll get to that uh, in a bit.
3: Uh, uh...
1: Michael seems a little off because of a letter from BB. We don't know what's in the contents till later on. But he's really unfocused, which is not helping the team, because they're trying to figure out, hey, what happened here? It looks like something was shot through. Uh, Aaron figures out, hey, this is glass, which means it was superheated.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Colonel Sanders starts setting up a plot and a plan. And Shiro's there, too. Ends up that the Zeons are using a super laser shoot through there.
2: Their yeah. guesses were correct. Uh, so, uh, basically, like, like I said, beam weaponry is not super mm-hmm. uh, commonplace, and this was a particularly powerful one. So they're like, "Oh, this is um, not just a mobile suit, but a mobile armor," which is just like it, it, it kind of like if a mobile suit is a tank, a mobile armor is closer to a battleship.
1: So the team got together. They're going to make a trap out of some parachutes, or not parachutes, a uh, balloons shot into the sky, uh, some other things just to try and figure out what's going on. I don't know, think they're really trying to capture what's doing this, just to try to capture what's going on so they can provide the information. Hmm. Uh, that's the way I interpreted it. Could be wrong. Uh, I Appreciate this episode. Oh, go ahead.
2: Nah go uh I I was just gonna say, um I, I think they are like like trying to just like interrupt whatever development plans are going on, so it's like, hey, if we huh. can at least blow it up, then at least they'll delay them putting it out.
1: Uh, Kiki's there uh he's kind of flirting with Shiro.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And Shiro is kind of oblivious uh. Uh, and talks about his other woman. Not super loud and no, I don't think anyone knows that she works for the enemy. Right? Kiki's not really having much of it. She gets upset and is about to storm out. She ends up sticking around. Uh, I think this is due to talking to Michael and reading the letter. I might what have that in order. About- the letter talks about how B.B. does love Michael. Looks forward to seeing him. She doesn't know if she can handle him constantly in good threat of danger.
2: Yeah.
1: It might be better for them to split up. Which, you know, happens, I guess, in military. It's not unheard of, so it's a nice addition. It makes it a little more real.
2: It's- yeah, same. Just like
3: some gravity of
2: realism. A more extreme version of the like, hey, I don't. Now that you've gone off the college, I don't know if I can handle a long distance relationship. But you know, more it's the elderly like my,
1: <laughs> the elderly yeah. like myself put it, the dear John letter.
3: Mm. I don't think this distance and the threat against your life at any given time is really working out for us, Bay. <laughs> uh,
1: this leads into sending her people back to the village and her yelling uh, at Zero to you know be more attentive to his teammates. I like yeah. this episode as well because it shows what happens to robots when they walk in sand.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yes. Uh, so this is the point I was saving my notes for. This and the collection of water by Sanders. Yes. The, the, the I forgot about
1: with... that. That's really smart too of him.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's something, like, I don't know about anyone else. I'm assuming everyone here, though, at some point in their scholastic career ran into this, the, like, ah, this is how you capture water, et cetera, in the desert. It's a cute, clever thing to teach kids. Um, but even with the air filter, or the filter on the uh leg unit, f- first, I love the idea that, like, part of that cover is actually, like, a more flimsy uh material. It's not just hard metal.
4: Because
3: mm-hmm. so, he picks it up, oh, the, just, just the tactical tactile look of it just mm, perfect
4: so good but
3: then underneath it oh i know so good um but then he gets in there and it's like ah it's essentially just a giant car really that kills people intentionally um elon must have designed it uh, mm-hmm. that said it's like we'll put the air filter in because you know sand wreck machines real life real hard yeah so big kill death machine going to get even wrecked harder because it's nothing but moving parts. And I loved that they had to address that. And also you get to see some of the inner workings for like, oh yeah, you hit the foot pedal to make it move a little. And just seeing that inner working of it, that mechanical detail. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Just perfectly done.
2: There's so much in this show that is like, even in, um, I want to say it was like episode one. The first thing we actually see is like, the the Gundam's walking out of the hangar, but we're overhearing all of this, like, chatter from all the mechanics. And just, like, uh-huh. this is a show that loves to just, like, show mechanical details and spend time with people doing maintenance and stuff. And, like like, I love that, but I... You know, I was thinking like, oh, we're watching this for the show, and I'm remembering how, um, Bob, how you felt about the moments like that in Outlaw Star, where it's just like, we're gonna take a few extra seconds to just watch this ship, dock.
1: And and it's just the little things like that. I do have a question, though. Yes. And educate me. Why did? Because Michael is more of the repairman. I mm-hmm. feel, and Shiro more of the pilot. Yes. They reverse roles here.
3: I don't. I don't have a good answer for this. I, I can make up some things and say I don't know. Maybe I don't have a good answer.
2: Um, he. Uh, well, Michael is basically the assistant to Elador, So, like, he is. Huh. He they they do treat him kind of like an intern or a gopher or something cinderella Um, you're trusting this 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 then gopher
1: to pilot a gundam yes he's just pressing the pedal Mm -hmm. but i'm assuming it's more than pressing a pedal to go in a gundam it is
2: but but there's also the idea of like the pilot has to like have more knowledge about their machine because they're working on it so like they don't have to know as much as a mechanic but they need to like you know these
1: are new machines and he's a new pilot
2: they're not necessarily new machines
3: They're not new per se. Plus, also, again, with Officer Candidacy School, there is that last
2: word in there. Yeah, that part of that, actually.
3: So there is going to be some understanding. And again, Bob, think to every episode of Star Trek where the captain still happened to know something about the inner workings of their ship.
1: That's true. I'm not not disagreeing with that. Oh, yeah, no. I just feel roles should have been reversed. I...
3: I, I personally agree. I'm sure there's some degree of the, the pilot has to sign off on it. They are responsible for the overall care of the machine, even if, if that doesn't mean making uh, Cinderella there do the labor.
1: I think so, it was just to have a moment of comedy. Well, not comedy, but explaining how Michael is is so distracted. distracted.
3: Yeah. And that's really what it was for. It's narratively convenient showing of distraction and how dangerous that can be. And, I mean, that's why Sanders, you know, says, you know, get in my suit. I'm going to run this here because you're mm-hmm. too distracted to do this, and we can't have comms going down. Arguably, you can't have your Gundam being blown up either with someone in it. Yeah. Um, well,
1: that, that also goes to show Michael is actually a, maybe not fantastic, but a competent pilot.
3: Yeah. I, I'm sure yeah. to some degree all uh, the enlisted personnel have to be capable of base combat, whatever that can be abbreviated down to, Mm -hmm. for mobile suits. So, because I'm sure they're piloting kind of like Sanders was, GMs initially, and while the Gundam or (laughs) aftermarket Gundams are more complex to a degree there the still basic workings are there
2: yeah it's like more higher quality versions of basically the same systems
3: mhm fine more precise movements i'm sure better targeting etc
1: so as we uh i
2: i think the explanation of between of just like because michael is like you know so distracted like he's not in a position to do good repairs anyway right now um <clears throat> and also just knowing shiro just the idea of like get out of the way i'll take care of it that's a very shiro that's- thing to do the yeah. shiro
1: doesn't realize that michael is distracted at this point i don't think i really don't think throughout the episode he ever truly understands that
2: yeah Shiro's kind of a dumbass all, all the boys are deep in their feelings and oblivious to everything else, and that's the whole episode.
3: Like, well, huh? except for Sanders, who seems to be very empathic. He's like, I get this, I understand this, but I also huh? need you to kind of focus on the-
1: Kiki, who's saying, need to pay attention. Here, let me sew your coat.
3: <laughs> yeah, Kiki, Kiki, much like Shiro when he was in the jungle, very thirsty. Mm-hmm. Um, Specifically for Shiro-flavored cola. And she, Shiro, like any harem protagonist, dense AF. To put it simply. He, he has eyes only for one blonde haired, blue eyed lady.
2: Who shot at him? Yeah. He, you know, he well, wants girls who shot at him. He has options.
3: Yeah, but, you know, Manic Pixie Space Killer Dream Girl.
4: Mm hmm.
3: And, and
1: of Manic Pixie Space Dream Girl, she does make a cameo. Yes.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: She does in, in, for them, the most unexpected way, but for us, the audience, not surprising at all.
1: So a green poop falls out of the sky, and we're going to call it a chip. <laughs> uh, this happens to be the Xeon chip that is shooting this giant laser.
3: I'm going to uh- insert some uh, Gundam-specific terminology for you, Bob, because this is minorly relevant, because there will eventually be more Gundams, I promise you. This is called a mobile armor.
1: It's a big poop. It's a big green poop.
3: I mean, it is a big green it is a big mech. In this case, obviously, Sans legs that is equivalent to a tank compared to a Gundam,
1: although it's also uh space worthy.
3: Yeah, this one is inten- intended to go to space later.
4: Yeah.
1: Uh, we see that the pilot's uh Ana and she is here to test the laser. I'm pretty sure that's how she pronounced it, mm-hmm. laser. Uh, and after a failed attempt, the team's ready to kind of thwart what's going on with Michael in uh, Sanders' mech. Uh, and everything actually, actually goes well. And Ana is not able to pull off her laser perfectly like she wanted, but I do believe she shoots it.
3: She does uh well remember it d- it goes well until Aina yeah. also happens to have support.
2: Yeah. You
3: know, two wingmen just happen to be in the area, which would make sense. Uh and that's where things went sideways.
1: Trying to remember now. Oh, well, it's been a week since I watched the episode. <laughs> so Aina... Anna gets off her shot. Starts flying. Uh, They set off their balloons, and Michael has to take a shot at one of the planes. He's so nervous that he I believe he misses his first one. Then focuses and gets the second shot and gets the plane. And the other plane is taken down, I believe. Aina is able to get back to space with her space
3: poop. Well, she doesn't get to space, but she does she does try to take a pot shot at Michael with not oh well, the and then star.
1: There's, then there's a save the president moment
3: <laughs> Mr. President
1: i also just bro, giving
2: the whole part where uh Shiro goes back to his uh main uh fighting tactic of go directly at enemy and just grab on.
3: That was the Mr. President I, moment, yeah. Oh, okay, it's, okay. It, it's, he, Mr. President, instead of hitting the president, he he just full-on
0: sit Get, on get down, Mr. Shoulders. President. <laughs> yeah, get down, Mr. President.
3: And then, except he gets down on the robot, and somehow his little machine, this is my only real problem with this, his little machine is enough to knock that big sucker off target just enough to save Mike's life.
2: Mm, mm-hmm. Because just... that... There's a big bonk. Did the big old mech tackle? Yeah, <laughs> I'll save you, Mr. President.
1: <laughs> Boink. The pile of mud that shoots a laser.
3: <laughs> and then instead of going to space, Bob, what she does, you know, she tries to kill the machine that's grabbed onto her because it's clearly. And she doesn't no one realize know. who it is. Yeah, yeah, until she says, tells him to get off. Wait a minute,
0: that's Juliet, that
3: is that you? Yeah. <laughs> Romeo.
0: Okay, no, don't get me started, because Romeo X Juliet is totally actually an anime, and... I know. Uh-huh. I considered putting it on the list. <laughs>
3: Season two. Season two. Yes. Oh. Uh
1: I actually don't remember if this is the point where it ends when he lets go.
3: He doesn't let go. He doesn't she, let go. Team Rockets were doesn't let go again. No, does Yeah, he no, man. They both... The team rocket were blasting off again into what's shown in the uh, what's uh, the preview for the next episode, not the
2: They're Himalayan like, mountains. Yeah, yeah. They they end up crashing and they have. So we just had desert survival tactics, so we got to watch them do uh, snowy blizzard survival tactics.
3: Tundra survival. Yeah. yeah. Yo, I heard you wanted to go to Siberia with these mechs. Here we go. <laughs>
0: Uh, I mean, actually, depending on where the specific jungle they're in is, it might be the Himalayas. That's
3: true. I mean, I just called it not the Himalayas because I don't think they actually say where it's, uh... Yeah, no, I um... don't.
0: (laughs) But just in terms of where mountain ranges are in Asia. We do
1: know that the jungles are in China?
3: They did say that? I missed that part.
1: know that they were landing at a specific point. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I, I'll we, do the research.
2: Yeah, we can look at wiki pages later. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: anyway, uh, I actually really like this episode. As it may, it for you mentioning earlier, Nick, about how they felt chunky walking. Yeah, I like the details of the movement in the desert.
4: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that these mechs, whenever I think of gundams it's always in space right these these gundams were mostly not moving (laughs) Uh yeah which which sounds stupid but in reality just like walking while sleeping they showed gundams can do more than walk i see a gundam i think oh it's just a human person doing human person things right because i'm trying to uh humanize it though that's not the case
2: but this show is like, no, these are machines. Yes,
1: These are machines. This one happens to be holding a gun that does look you know, relatively human-like, but it's not moving for a very long time that a human could not do.
2: Yeah, they are just like the 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 show is contrast between like the moments of action and the moments of like tense silence and and no movement <laughs> is. It,
4: I, and it's weird, I,
2: I normally,
1: weirdly, I agree, I normally hate that, but I really like that, and it really emphasized in this last episode. Mm. This
3: this series handles that balance well, also to tag on, what this is one of the other practicality things, and machine also be like human, when they're setting up their trial, their, you know, that's uh, huh? what I'm looking for, the practice run at trying to corral the, hold on, I wrote its name down earlier, uh-huh. I remember, Absolut. The green pine
2: cone, yeah.
3: Yeah, the Absolus. Um One of their mechs, I forget which one, is covered under the largest desert blanket <laughs> I've ever seen in uh-huh. anime. And I love it because, like, that's what a sniper would do if these were more people-shaped and sized things. And it's, again, all that practicality and the actual human movement for giant robot and... Y- Yes, Bob, you're right. They, they're not in their natural space born environment, as God intended. They're on Earth with the dirty gravity, and it's fun to see that implied and that weight of how big and heavy these things are carried over.
1: It would bug me, but uh, when they are hanging Karen over the ledge on the <laughs> rope, mm-hmm. and it was the Gundam just holding down this string that she's standing on. Mm-hmm. Normally that would bug me. I'd be thinking, oh, this is so stupid. But in reality, that's how it would work.
3: Well, yeah. In the second episode, they showed her going up to her cockpit because they don't, I mean, they can use scaffoldings and so forth, but they already have this built-in, well, I don't know but It's like uh, a drop wader almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a triangle place for you to put your foot and just ride it on up. I hope you have cool. a good grip.
2: Which, why did you put the cockpit so high? I don't know. <laughs>
3: that's the other thing I love the design of these Gundams as opposed to others where the cockpit is up top not in like the center of the chest
2: yeah kind and, of
3: like a fighter
2: and all the times that they have um, uh, like somebody just hanging out with the cockpit open and it's just like yeah I'm mm-hmm. just sitting here what's up <laughs> Which,
3: especially in that kind of environment if apparently these things don't come with AC fully kitted out as an option from your local dealer uh-huh. you would probably do because it's going to get stuffy and hot in there
2: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. especially if like, you know like these may not well, I don't know. The they these are not expected to go into space, so they don't gotta be airtight. Although uh-huh. even the ones in space, uh, you still have to wear the pilot suit while you're in space. Which because... he made a full doing
1: something huh. opens, I would assume.
3: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, stuck
1: into space you need something.
3: Yeah, they, they, they wear the uh what are they, I forget the proper term, but essentially the spacesuit, yeah, Uh for that first space combat, which I love that he did in season or episode two, and you're like, huh, big heat buyer's remorse on doing that,
4: <laughs>
3: and uh, not only that too, but like even if these were airtight, I mean, they've got to be open at some point, so once they seal, you're still stuck in there with that hot,
2: muggy air, uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, like, as soon as he opened that cockpit after being in there, like, I've felt this, and I've felt this, and it doesn't get better. It's just one hot muggy to another equally bad but different hot muggy. Yeah. Also, discovering leeches was funny.
1: On the flip side, he he got hot and overheated in a jungle, which is understandable. It's a hot muggy area. They go to the desert, and they don't show them getting overheated.
3: I'm sure under those circumstances there was probably some degree of consideration taken into because they are in giant metal human-shaped coffins.
1: I'm sure it was just a dry heat. I mean, that's yeah, a, I was, was going to say, the,
0: the humidity in the jungle would make you definitely feel a lot hotter because you're not, uh, the sweat's not evaporating off your skin. Even if they got um, one of those cute
1: battery-operated
0: fans. Oh, yeah.
3: Well, also, Arguably, I would have loved that detail.
0: Also, in the
2: desert episode, that's when everybody is, like, emotionally on edge, and I could totally see that as being an effect of heat.
3: Of dry heat especially, yes. I I, I agree. Speaking from experience, yes. (laughs) Bob, you remember the trip to Texas and our buddy who uh, gave himself heat stroke? (laughs) But, yeah, I I like these episodes. Bob, I'm glad you really like these. I, part of me wishes we'd showed you episode five instead of episode six. I know that was one of Nick's suggestions. We're kind of like bouncing back and forth on which one.
2: Yeah, but this one, the the ending on the cliffhanger, I feel like that's... And, and also, you know, the the good contrast in this one. And this is where Aina uh, and Shiro find each other again. And that's such like a, a good piece of consistency to to end on, I thought.
3: Yeah. Because we def- Nick and I both really wanted to show you the best mech fight moment ever, <laughs> but it was so close to the end of the series, it's just like I don't know. There's a, and I agree with him. It's like there's a lot, there's a lot of context missing here.
2: <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. Uh, w- what do you think overall? <laughs> overall, started off slow.
1: Mm -hmm. Started off, I was thinking I was not going to like it because, I'll caveat here, uh, by the end I really did enjoy it, but Shiro is a very not enjoyable protagonist for me,
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: but everyone else carries it, and the reality of the show helped carry it as well.
2: I'm an actual
1: factual type of person, and that's just, that's what it led to me.
2: Yeah, this is, you know, G Gundam aside, when when people talk about Gundam as, like, realistic robots, it's because of, it goes into detail, it goes into, like, camouflaging your robots with, uh, you know, sniper blankets and, and all of that.
3: I think the three OVAs that kind of came out very close together, this being the middle of them, there was, a, I believe this was the middle child, chronologically, it's the first one, which would, in the way of in-universe, uh But there was 0080, War in the Pocket, which is honestly, if I can find a way to stream that, that's going to be in one of our future seasons. Um, this one, and then one I've referenced before a couple times, uh, 0083 Stardust Memory, all do a real good job of kind of giving a lot of finer detail to, like, the, again, the size, the scale, the movement of these machines. I mean, 0083, If I, again, if I could ever get it streaming, there you talk about the movement in this. There is a, there is a big shouldn't be able to move one, and the way it moves, you swear you're watching Godzilla.
4: mm mm-hmm.
3: Just because it's like this thing is so impractically large in its design, but it still does it. But it also doesn't do it fast.
1: now, now I will flip to my downside.
3: Go ahead.
1: Right. I do not care for the Ana Shiro storyline.
4: Yep. That's fair.
1: It's I feel like it un- unnecessarily draws away what could be a good uh follow these troops. See mm-hmm. Shiro become a really good leader by leading by example and learning from his fellow troops, blah 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 blah. Then you throw an Ana and I get the purpose of the story. I absolutely do. It's just it makes me roll my eyes. I get it.
0: Well, uh, the, the, the the
2: go on.
1: Is Ana a higher level? I'm assuming higher level Xeon person because she has access to all of this new tech. She is a test pilot. Yeah,
2: a test
4: pilot. I yeah.
3: guess we we're going to cover the new type in the room. Yeah. I be- I believe it's implied she is a new type. Now Bob, you're gonna ask yourself what a new type, all one word, how it's spelled, spelled how you think it would be, uh-huh. is essentially the next stage of human evolution because of moving into space. Yeah, theor- theoretically we're gonna, all of this is in quotes up to this point, uh, because there is the possibility, as noted in the original Gundam, the, their pilot is so good. That it, it's believed that because humans are now living in space, that they are starting to use more of their brain, develop even precognitive or potentially telepathic abilities.
2: Yeah, lo- low, new types are low key, like psychics.
3: Yeah, space psychic, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and they can only happen in space, and that's why all of your Gundam protagonists come from space. Uh, now, certain some Gundam series have kind of not, just thrown that out, like, eh. and left that to the Universal Century. But some the others they'll have that and just call it something else. Uh But essentially, that's what that is, and it's implied. I don't think it's ever actually stated here, but it's implied and suggested. I believe in some conversations that Ina is a new type.
2: Yeah, th- there's one specific moment. um, In that uh, episode with the really good fight, where it's just like, oh, you seem to know something that you would only know if you had some sort of mental connection to the people in the world around you. Right. Um, That that
1: is good. And and, I just don't understand with Shiro being... He's holding on to the fact that he saved her life real hard.
3: Yeah, it's... It's weak, I'm not going to lie. It is a very weak romance because there's no guarantee that we're ever going to see each other again. Yes, obviously, that's the narrative conceit is that they happen to just go to the same place. <laughs> um, that's, this is one of those, like, I, I agree. Does it feel forced? Yes. Does it feel contrived? Yes. But that's the purpose of it. I would argue these could have been two good Gundam series different from each other. But right. they just happen to be together. I don't think it's terrible, though.
2: I I do want to say, I think like we're only seeing like the first half of the series. And I I think
1: I will will caveat. I've only seen three episodes.
2: Yeah. But, but like the, the next episode where they spend more time together, like kind of the rest of the series after that point, I think is kind of like a, a case study on watching these two characters, like reassess how they feel about participating in the war and about the sides that they're on. So it, it kind of even Mm -hmm. stops being the like, romeo and juliet star cross kind of thing and becomes a very much like no why are you fighting are exactly. you are fi- do you think you're fighting for the right side and like you're just watching the two of them like wrestle right. around that with themselves so it, it's it doesn't even go in the like oh we just want to like it is a it's definitely a very contrived why they sort of hook onto each other but you could also say that a thing about new types and being psychics is that they're like heavily empathic and so they latch onto <laughs> people quicker so like eh, but that's not a good explanation. Yeah, um, it's
3: narratively established. All these new types end up in conflict with each other because they're drawn to each other. Yeah. But I don't believe there's anything that implies Shiro's a new type, which is, like, I okay, think, so. mm, he... I, I don't think there's anything oh, that does it. I'm not saying it couldn't be. I just...
2: uh I opened a can of worms. Ah! Uh. He, he is a very talented pilot. Uh, In these contrast... Tables. In contrast to how much of a dipshit he is in every other regard, though, I think like he is uncharacteristically good at being a pilot, and that could that be because of new type elements?
3: I mean, I'm socially awkward, but I can train people real well at work. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm I'm a psychic.
2: Well, so
1: too he tripped. That's also true.
3: Okay, there there are psychically aware under situations of existing stress. It's not like they can just turn it on. And, oh, I can see the future. Um, it, it's very situationally convenient aware. Yeah. Um. But oh. yeah, like arguably, sure he could be. I'll say this because of what he does in the episode we didn't show you that we really wanted to. I'm willing to give him a new type throw because I've never seen any other new type do that. <laughs> so at least he earns it for that one.
2: Yeah, there's 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 some moves he pull off that are are uncanny in a way that it's um, just like. The, also, do I think it matters? Not outside no. trying to excuse why they are attracted yeah. to each other. Hundred percent. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I just like this is like a giant robot show, but like it's not. Even though the action is done so well, it's also not really about the actions, and like not a lot of <sighs> Gundam shows are like most of the Gundam shows, you know do talk about like it's a it it is a whole every every series is pretty much about like hey war is hell and like people are dragged into it and people have internal conflicts over motivations and all of this and like
3: uh, the tragedy of child soldiers
2: yeah this one is very much like takes that like oh lovers on opposite sides of the conflict like that is where they start from that very like cliche place but like it still does a good job of like like Following those characters as they interrogate that, um, and I guess you
3: know we we've harped on the lovers. Like, really though, they haven't established their lovers. It's just it. It's almost like ah, oh, the girl that got away, and then he accidentally finds her again.
1: Yeah. For me, watching these three episodes in and of themselves, I think it's not her in love with him, much as him in love with her.
3: Yeah, From what I, I, I would agree with here. you. I would agree with you because I don't think it's until the next episode that she really, oh, yeah, you're that guy that saved me, you know, patched me up and vacuum sealed my suit so I didn't die. Yeah, um, yeah I'm,
0: sure, I'm sure in this interim, uh, he, in her mind, has probably mostly just been, oh, fuck, that dude took my watch.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I gave him my watch, and, you know, that probably wasn't smart of me. What, how would I ever see him again?
2: Also, like, she is, like, uh, way more, like has spent more time in the military complex oh, absolutely. Uh, whereas he is still basically you know brand new to it and like like he's still on like you know his his um boy scout uh Baby's certification first whatever yeah like like for him it is still new and exciting and she's like no you don't know how this job really works when you've been in the military because like like yes yeah, he's just kind of a test pilot and whatever else going on and it's maybe a bit of nepotism because like, I think it's her brother is more like the famous scientist and she's yeah, the test pilot because it. of the, the connection yeah. to him. Um, yeah.
3: I think he's aware of her potential as a new type.
2: That much be.
3: So it's a combination of factors. It's nepotism, but nepotism by way of, Oh, you have special powers. Okay, sure. Or possibly.
2: But, but all just a long way of saying just like, yeah, like the the romance or whatever that relationship is is kind of like lame, but at least they do something interesting, sort of using that as a stepping stone by the end of the show. <laughs> um, and which like, hey, if if that if it doesn't hook you enough to get you that far, understandable, totally.
1: <laughs> yeah. Overall, I would give this show seven.
3: Okay. And a half. Seven Zach Efrons.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's only because I need to see more. This is a weird situation where it's not super highly rated for me, but I do want to see more of it.
2: Good. Ooh. Okay. I mean also, it's twelve episodes. Like we yeah, technically we've watched a quarter, quarter of a Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I
3: was like, Bob, you're in luck. This is twelve episodes. This is the shortest series on our list, I think. No, it is or, not. I, actually, no, it's not. What's no, I've got to go back and look.
1: Oh, well, we've already watched a show that's shorter, I think. Have um,
3: Our very first show.
2: Yeah, depending on how you count arcane. Okay. Those are long okay, episodes. Yeah, um, yeah they
3: are long episodes. Th- these are tight, like, 20, 22-ish minutes.
2: Yeah. These were... But, long, yeah,
3: you're, you're, okay, yeah. fair enough, Bob. This is the shortest length to episode length, or amount of episodes
2: oh, that we episode have turns. thus far, dot, dot, dot. Yeah.
3: Oh, that's not implying anything. It's just a matter of what we've seen so far.
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: um, I do actually have a definitive answer on something, though. Oh, okay.
3: Is it more G- uh, or uh, Outlaw Star? What? Did you watch more Outlaw Star? Uh, no. Oh.
1: oh. I'm full of disappointment today. Uh, I have a definitive answer of where to put the theme song.
3: Yes. Oh, good. Oh. I was going to get to that. Yes. So we are on
1: episode 10, everybody. So regardless of where I put it, it's made the top 10.
3: Uh-huh. We also now have a top ten. God, yeah. And this, somehow Arcane is on
2: it. Does this mean our, our podcast is old enough to rent cigarettes or something?
1: Rent cigarettes, That's... yes. They return them when they're done.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah, sure, that works. <laughs>
1: uh, this lovely ditty. Uh,
4: mm, it's
1: a oh, I we had a oh It's what?
4: ninth.
2: Ninth. ninth. Okay, so still above, above Arcane. Arcane. And below Agretsuko. Uh, th- by Chase the
3: way, the, Dragons.
2: the name of this track is Arashi no Naka de Kagayaite, Uh huh. Which, like, th- I don't think there's anything wrong with this. It is just so, like, forgettable.
3: Yeah. I, the I outro kinda...
2: I loved so much
1: better than the intro. Agreed. Yeah.
3: I feel like I would hear this like I don't want to say at a dance, but like a school dance at some point. It's kind of got that pop to it, Mm. where it's just meant to be played and go go on to the next song.
4: Yeah, it's not
3: meant to be like stand out.
1: It's a filler song between good songs.
3: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. This is you know maybe not everyone's on the floor, but you got there. You got to occupy the airtime with something. (laughs) Something that's not
2: Imagine Dragons. Um, let's see here. We didn't have any Android, uh, waifus.
3: You did have adjacent mechanical waifu.
2: Mm. That's your my list.
1: It was a cranky mechanic lady.
2: That's true.
3: Listen, I don't think Joe was here when we were discussing it off podcast, but I want to know more about the pilot from the transport in episode one, because (laughs) Joe has her list. I have mine. (laughs) Short hair, experienced pilot. Yeah. Let's talk, baby.
2: (laughs) Um, this show didn't have a named horse for us to rank. I'm so sad! There <laughs> <I, I laughs> were horses!
3: Horse? Yeah, I think there's a horse in one of the episodes we haven't watched, uh, but I don't know if it has a name.
2: Well, there were the horses that the guys from Kiki's Village rode back to the village right. on. Um, oh, yes, that's right. But yeah, yeah no I think names. they
3: show up only in
2: Kiki's Village, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I guess the are you going to watch more of this show? Like, is this going I on will. your list? This, yeah?
1: this, is, this is on my list. I'm going to put it on my watch list. Can't say it's going to be soon, but I am curious to see the transformation.
2: I, I could I could definitely see this being under, like, both Outlaw Star and Bebop, so. Mm. But, yeah. Ex- exciting that it's on there. Like, this show is... I really like this show and, and this whole, like, universe, so. I'm I like the you. realism
3: of it. Yeah. I, I won't lie, Bob. If I had to guess, I think this will be above bebop for you only because it's not as, like you said, kind of layered and thick with messages and subtext,
4: huh.
3: but hmm. I, I, yeah, it's, I would say this might even, depending on how you're feeling at the moment, I might say this might even take your top between it oh. and Outlaw
2: Star. Oh. And like said, it just, what I Outlaw really, Star though? I, I don't know. No, no,
3: it's, it's not a value judgment. It's more of a, depending <laughs> on the day.
2: But maybe, I think those yeah. two
3: will occupy, like, depending on the day, the mood, you know, maybe he's had a rough week, or he's going to have a really good time, who knows. I would say they might alternate, depending on his mood, just because of that. Not not a, like, definitive, yes, this is one over the other, but more like, yeah, these are both good for different reasons at my number one, at a shared number one.
2: Well, gotcha. speaking of alternating between two, right. we have two shows left in our late night tsunami tier of shows.
0: Ready to pick? Your choices are: Listen, growing up was hard enough before this space pirate robot sprouted out of my forehead. (laughs) Or do cyborgs dream of existential philosophical conundrums, also known as the major has existential dread and a big old booty.
1: (laughs)
3: Rocking everywhere.
1: I'm gonna. I'm gonna go the first one. (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm ready for existential dread yet. Bob, I'm not sure if you're ready for the next
2: one. Yeah, I don't think you can escape it in this uh, particular branch. Something's popping out of the head. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, next episode, we will be watching Fooly Cooly. Cooly coolie? Otherwise <laughs> known as
3: F L F-L-C-L,
0: C L Bob. F-L-C-L, but of course in Japanese so it's foodie cooty. Oh my god. Oh
3: hey, now, Bob, I hope you're ready for the acid trip of your lifetime.
0: How much do you know about making
2: bread? Oh about my god. Bread? I've made bread before. Alright, then this this nothing in here will be new to you. Alright, good. Um Oh no. So oh god, I am so excited now. We all have that to look forward to. <laughs> um but, uh, I think that's gonna do it for us for this week, right? I believe so, I think that's everything I think so fantastic well, uh, I had
0: a good time. I hope uh all y'all oh god, right hmm? the pillow- the pillows ah, soundtrack, okay, oh, yeah. sorry, <laughs> oh, yeah, I
2: didn't even think about that part. Um, <laughs> this is gonna be fantastic, but we will cover all of that next time uh, and until next time, thank you for joining us watch anime no no <laughs> i made that joke last time
0: war is bad deep in the weebs is a show by chuck nick joe and bob our theme music is kawaii friends by C ckadi three you can find our show on youtube or subscribe to the audio-only version on iTunes or wherever podcasts are served.
2: Okay, Uh, who would like to read our taglines? Give me
3: buy me like five seconds because I have to scroll up and get the list.
2: Uh I did you one better. I put in an edit marker.
3: Nice. <laughs> I'm here now at the list. Let's do this, Bob. I, I uh, think I'm Joe's Marty. delivery is the best. Hmm.
0: Who's delivery? What? Wait, was Jones. that saying I, think, I should do it? I thought you yeah. said you were going
3: to do it. I just wanted to see the list. I wanted to oh, get there to okay. the list.
0: <laughs> oh, Because okay. I had to remind myself
3: where we were.
0: This, this is the fun part. For me. So Here's
3: the here's behind the scenes. When we're starting to wrap up the episode, I usually think I need to pull up the list because I can't wait to see what he's going to pick. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, my brain just said, hey, look, isn't that a pretty color on the wall? <sighs> okay.
0: I was getting all excited. I was like, oh, I don't have to do it this week. I mean, I'll do
4: Uh, it if you want. (laughs) That's okay.